Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? All right, now look, we had, a, we had a lot of energy in this house last Sunday, and I don't know if we blame B. Haley for that, but I need us to match that energy. So come on, real quick, give me some exciting What's up? Come on, give me some excitement. All right, all right, I just want to, I want to make sure my energy is matching you guys' energy this morning. Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church, and if you are visiting with us, as Zenobia said, welcome. We hope that we can answer any of your questions. Please do us a favor and fill out that information so that we can connect with you. We got a team that will reach out and see the best way of getting you involved and connected. One of those ways is happening today, and we call it Growth Track. Come on, let me hear for Growth Track. Where you at? How many of you have been through Growth Track? You've been through Growth Track? Raise your hand for a second. Look around. You can kind of see. If your hand's not up, this is your Sunday, all right? This is your Sunday. Um, not, there's a couple of things that happen in Growth Track. We will watch your kids if you have children, so you'll be able to go and enjoy that peacefully without your children. Um, you're going to learn a little bit about the church, history of the church. You'll learn a little bit about yourself and how you can be involved in the church, and then you have an opportunity to, to join uh, the different ways that we serve here. And so you're going to start seeing this um, kind of put ahead of, in front of you moving forward, especially in a new year, that there's three ways to get connected at Victory. Number one is through connection. That's our small groups. Uh, number two is through discipleship. We're working on a discipleship plan now that'll be very clear and, and easy for you to get involved in. And then the next one is serve. And you do that. You get involved through Growth Track, and then you find the area you want to serve. As the video said, there's the worship team that you guys see every morning. There's our production team that's putting on our service. There's our V Kids team that are teaching your kids about Jesus right now. There's our first impressions team that as you came in, they greeted you with warm faces and a cup of coffee. There's our youth team that meets, yeah, oh, there we go, our youth team that uh, meets every other Wednesday, and they meet here, um, and then there's all kinds of different you can get involved from outreach and, and different things, but we really want to encourage you to get involved. Not only are you going to connect with people, but here's the big thing. You're going to take your gifts and turn around and use them for the glory of God. And as God continues to build our church, um, it's going to be important that we have you on the team to be able to help us do that. Amen? Uh, I do want to echo what Zenobia said in regards to the trunk or treat. One of those reasons is because every week I like to try to get up and do two things. Number one, thank you. Thank those that give every month, every week to victory through tithing and offering. And I want to be able to say thank you for not only what we're able to do here inside the church, but what we're able to do outside of the church. And so next Sunday night, we'll gather at the parking lot of the North, North, North Rutherford YMCA. And because of your faithfulness, we're able to provide candy for that. And obviously, those who are providing trunks are more than welcome to bring your own candy. But again, because of those that continue to support victory, we're able to do that already. We're able to make that promise and here's what you got to understand. As Zenobia is playing for 10 more trunks, and as I'm telling you about the candy, here's what you have to understand is this, this has gotten to the point, the YMCA sent out an email to every person in their database that has children. All right? So you can imagine this. Uh, one of our team members said they saw it on a Mother's Murfreesboro Day Out Facebook page. And so we're hoping for thousands of people from our community to bring their kids there. And for two reasons. Obviously, we get to promote the church. We get to encourage people to come check out Victory. But it's a safe place for our community to bring their kids to trick-or-treat. Uh, Halloween this year is on a Monday night, which means parents are going to be fighting with uh, getting kids to bed for school and all those kinds of things. So we give them a Sunday night opportunity to come early, get all their candy, get home. And it's just another way that we get to serve our community. Antioch, Nashville, Laverne, Smyrna, Murfreesboro, those are the areas that we get to minister to. And those families can come and experience. And so this is my last plea to you. Well, I'll probably make one next Sunday too, but um, to not only continue to support and give to victory so that we can do things like this, but if you have a vehicle, bring your trunk so that we can minister to the community. Amen? Do me a favor. Look at the person beside you and say, we need your trunk. Tell them, we need your trunk. All right? Now look to the other person who you didn't like as much and tell them, we need your trunk too. We need your trunk too. So bring them, get them here for us. All right, you ready for the word? All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of John, chapter 11. John, chapter 11. We've been in a series called Living Room Leaders, and what we're doing is uh, we're kind of looking at the aspects of Jesus as a leader, not only to lead like Jesus, but to live like Jesus. And this whole series, this is now, check this out, this is week eight of this series. I don't know if y'all know this is week eight. We'll finish it next week with week nine before we get into our, our brand new series in November. Um, which I'm excited about. I'm, I'm calling it God Doesn't Make Sense, 
and, and you'll hear more about that later on. Um, but, but we've been talking about how you are a leader, okay? So if you're a parent, you're leading your kids. If you're married, you're leading your spouse. If you're working, you're leading at your job. If you're a student, you're a leader in your school. If you're a Christian, you're a leader in every avenue. And so it's important for us to look into the Bible and to find out how to lead like Jesus. And so John chapter 11, there's something that's happening. I'm going to give you context before we start reading. John uh, is, or I'm sorry, Jesus is really close to a family that includes Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, their brother Lazarus. Lazarus got sick. They reached out to Jesus, told Jesus that Lazarus was sick. The Bible says that Jesus waited, and then Lazarus dies, and Jesus shows up on the scene and has to interact with Martha and Mary and their emotions, has to interact with the emotions of his disciples because his disciples are afraid that he's going to get killed, returning to a place where people want to kill him. And then he has to deal with all of the expectations of his friend Lazarus, who he could have healed but is now dead. And so we're setting all of that up. It's going to be in John chapter 11. I'm going to start reading kind of in the middle. I think it's verse 20 or so um, and, and set this up. So here we go. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, when Martha heard that Jesus, now Jesus has been late and Lazarus is dead. But when Martha hears that Jesus is coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now that's going to be important later. Martha went out to meet him but Mary stayed at home. Now, because of context as we read, we have to kind of assume what the emotions here are. So my assumption has always been that Martha has a little bit of an attitude, okay? She's upset, she's mad, hand on the hip kind of attitude as she comes out to Jesus. And she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you would have showed up on time, if you would have done what I wanted you to do, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So in other words, you're late, and because you were late, my brother's dead, but I still believe you can heal him. And then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. We fast forward a little bit, and it said, when Mary heard this, she got up and she quickly went to Jesus. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha met him. So he's standing where he had interacted with Martha, and Mary comes out to see him. And it says, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and how she went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. But when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet. And now Mary says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But this time when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. And he says, where have you laid him? Where did you put Lazarus? And they say to him, come and see, Lord. And then the easiest verse for you to memorize, John chapter 11, verse 35 says this, Jesus wept. I want to talk to you this morning from this idea, leading your feelings, leading your feelings. I was talking to a friend of mine. We were meeting for coffee and we were walking through just some, some biblical thoughts. We were actually, we're going through this book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. I took some of the church through it over the summer and it's a book that really causes us to turn inward to our emotions and in our feelings and depending how you were raised, um, my father's generation was raised with, you just need to push those feelings down. You know, you need to suck that tear back up. Like, there's no crying, be a man kind of deal. And now we're kind of moving more into a generation where it's all about express your feelings and show your feelings. And so regardless of kind of which area that you fall into, there's, there's definitely some conversation you need to have about your emotions, about your feelings. And so I'm talking to my friend, and I said, listen, I said, the average person has all these different areas they have to lead in. So, for example, I'll just use me for example. I have to lead in my job, and I have to lead in the community, and I have to lead as a father, and I have to lead as a husband, and I have to lead as a son, and I have to lead as a friend, and I have to lead as a mentor. So, so just me, I, I've already named seven different areas where I have to lead. Meanwhile, I have feelings, <laughs> Right? I've got feelings from my past, right? Things that have happened. I've got feelings from my present, things that are happening. 
I've got feelings for the future, things that I think might happen, whether it be anxiety or expectation, excitement or sadness. I've got feelings that are coming from my kids, right, as we interact, feelings that are coming from my wife as we interact, feelings that are coming from my job and our church as we interact. Like, I have all these feelings and all of these responsibilities to lead. And you are the same way. You have all these responsibilities to lead, and at the same time, you have all of these things that are happening that cause you to need to feel. So here's what I need you to understand. I need you to understand that you are called to lead, but you are also a human, okay? You may be called to lead, but you are still a human, and you are still a human that feels, all right? I know I've had you do this before, but look around for a second. Look around the room. Everybody in this room feels. They might feel differently. You got some people who are right now, they feel cold. Some people feel warm. Some people kind of feel in the middle, right? The fact is you're called to lead, but you are a human that feels. And I want you to understand this, that our feelings can be both complicated and unpredictable. Whatever feeling it is that you have is often complicated and it's unpredictable, which means that you having confusion about what you're feeling and why you are feeling it is normal. For you to be confused about what you're feeling and why you are feeling it is normal. The bottom line is this. In a mixed world, you're going to have mixed emotions. Here's what I mean by a mixed world. In this world, you have both grace and sin, right? You have both flesh and spirit. You have both a savior and an enemy. So in this mixed world, it's natural that you're going to have mixed emotions, When you study the Gospels, when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and especially John, what you're going to see is Jesus go through a a mixture of emotions. For example, Jesus is angry when he goes into the temple, and they are using the temple to rob people of their money through the, the disguise of worship. Jesus gets angry, and if you read the story, he flips tables. In that moment, he's expressing anger. When they come to Jesus and tell him that John the Baptist has been beheaded, Jesus gets on a boat and goes away by himself because he's experiencing a a, a version of grief. When Jesus is in his mother's womb and she gets in the presence of John the Baptist's mother and John the Baptist is, or, or his mom is pregnant with him, the Bible says that their bellies leaped with joy because at that moment Christ is experiencing joy. And in John chapter 11, when Lazarus is dead, we're seeing Jesus experience sadness. He's weeping. So Jesus, the Son of God, has a mixture of emotions. So how silly of it would be for us to think that we wouldn't have a mixture of emotions, right? If Jesus can experience anger one day and sadness the next and happiness the next and grief the next, why would we think that we wouldn't experience the same thing? On any given day, you can feel different things. On any, different, any given day, you can feel a different way. Some of you were happy this morning. Some of you were sad. Some of you who were happy this morning, you got in your car halfway here, and that happiness shifted. Those of you that were sad, you got in your car halfway here, that, ha- that sadness shifted. Like, you can always feel a different way any given day, any given moment. But then one aspect of our world kind of takes center stage. And that single emotion dominates. You know what I'm talking about? You get a phone call. You get new news. Something happens, and all of a sudden, that single emotion dominates. We were driving home, uh, I think it was Friday night, driving home from out to eat. My, my in-laws were in town, and we had gone out to eat. And we're driving home, and I'm on the interstate. Darla's in her car driving. My kids are in the car with, with her parents. They're driving. I'm in my car by myself. I'm driving down Interstate 24. And there is a diesel rig in the lane beside me about, you know, I don't know, probably about 20 feet ahead of me. And I'm just driving. I'm just kind of in my own thoughts. And all of a sudden, I see what I think is a car driving 
like across the interstate in front of this diesel rig. And I, I wasn't quite sure what I was seeing, but I was happy. We just had some Mexican food and some ice cream. You know what I mean? Like I was happy. Everything was good. And all of a sudden, headlights were looking at me. Like this, this car somehow ended up on our lane of traffic, and it was now facing me. And luckily, it ended up kind of going off the interstate, and the person was okay. But I went from feeling happy to being absolutely scared out of my mind in seconds. Because one single thing can happen. You can get a phone call. You can get your kids coming in and going, Mom, <laughs> Dad, I need to show you something. Like fear drops in your heart. You know what I mean? You get a text message from your boss that says, We need to meet. Like you can have one single thing happen and a feeling dominates you. You go from being happy to being worried. Something can happen where you go from being sad to being happy. And here's the other thing. I don't know about you, but just when I think I've got my feelings figured out, something new happens, right? Just when I think I've got this grasp on my feelings, something happens, and it helps me realize that I don't. And so ultimately, here's where I want to talk about, is how do you lead with your feelings? Not, not with them, but how do you lead with them, right? They're there. They're not going anywhere and how do you lead your family? And how do you lead your marriage? And how do you lead at your job? How do you lead when you've got feelings? The first thing I need you to understand is this. It's okay to feel. Right off the bat, you've got to understand that it is okay for you to have feelings. It's okay for you to feel. Let's go back to John 11 for a second. I want you to see this. This is a whole interaction with Jesus and Mary and Martha, and this is, this is the actual time that Jesus interacts with Mary. Watch this. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now watch this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he said, get up, be a big girl, and stop crying. That not what it says? Y'all ain't got that in your Bible? No, it says he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. Here's what that means, that Jesus does not condemn her for having feelings. Jesus does not say, hey, what are you doing? You shouldn't be crying. You know, suck that. Y'all ever seen Cloudy with a chance of meatballs when that guy sucks that tear back in? There's no moment of that with Jesus. Jesus validates her feelings by having feelings towards her. It's okay for us to feel. The Bible teaches us that God expressed emotion and that he designed us to express emotion too. Let me set some of you free. The same God who designed your laugh, like everybody has, like I, when, when, when I hear a certain laugh, I know it's my wife's laugh. Like, I could, I could pick her out of a stadium based off of her laugh. And so God designed her laugh. But here's what I love about God. Not only did he design her laugh, he designed her tear ducts. You know what I mean? Like, not only did he make her cheeks in a way where, where when she's embarrassed, they could get a little red, but she, that he also made where her entire face can get red when she's angry. You know what I mean? Like, God designed both. So let's be careful not to think that God just designed our laugh, but he didn't also build our tears. Like he designed us for emotion. He, can I tell you something? When you feel, you're not broken. When, when you have negative feelings and negative emotions, there's not something wrong with you. Don't feel like all of a sudden you must be broken. No. But at some point, this is true, we start being taught that if we feel negative emotions, then it must be a sign of spiritual failure. Right? Like, I feel like there's at some point we've been taught that, that if all of a sudden we're angry or if we're sad or if we're anxious or if we're depressed or if we're fearful, then there must be something wrong with us spiritually. We must be failing spiritually. But there's a little section in John chapter 11. I didn't read it, but I encourage you to go back and read it later. It's a little, little bitty section that I don't know if this is why it was in here, but this is what I felt it was in there for, for me and my spirit. But when it introduces Mary and Martha, it gives you in parentheses a little description of Mary. And it says, this is the same Mary 
that is going to wash Jesus' feet in chapter 12, okay? Next week, we'll finish with chapter 12 when Mary pours an alabaster box of perfume on Jesus' feet and washes his feet. It says Mary, it gives you, this is Mary, and then in parentheses it says, this is the same Mary that's going to be washing Jesus' feet the next chapter. Here's what I felt like it was trying to tell me. The Mary that you're about to see that is worrying is the same Mary that next chapter will be worshiping. The same Mary that in John chapter 12 is worshiping is the same Mary that a chapter ago was weeping. Which means, I don't know about you, but I can be weeping one moment and worshiping the next. Right? I, I can be worrying one second and I can be worshiped. Do I have anybody in here with me? Talk to me for a second. Have you ever been worrying one moment and worshiping the next? You ever been worshiping one moment and weeping the next? You know what I mean? Have you ever been praising God for how great he is in one moment and mad at God the next? You ever been sitting here going, God, I'm so blessed. Thank you for everything. And then the next morning be like, God, why do you hate me? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, that's our emotions. I can be worshiping one second and weeping the next. I can be praising God for my kids one moment and praying, God, help me not kill them the next. You know what I mean? Sorry, babe. But it's important for us to understand. It's okay to feel. With my kids, I want them to understand that in my house, it's okay to feel. Feel it. When, when we misunderstand how God views our feelings, watch this. It'll lead us to think that if we just had a little bit more faith, if we just had a, a little bit of a better perspective, if maybe, here's my favorite one, maybe if we were just more spiritual, then we wouldn't feel the way that we feel. When we misunderstand how God views those feelings, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a negative emotion, we'll start to think that if we were just more spiritual, maybe if I would have prayed more or read my Bible more, maybe if I was as holy as that person, then I wouldn't feel the way that I feel. So not only do we have to deal with the feelings, but we also have to deal with the shame of having those feelings. Did you catch that? Not only do we have to deal with the negative emotion, not only do we have to deal with the anxiety, not only do we have to deal with the depression, not only do we have to deal with the fear, but now we have to deal with the shame that we have those feelings to begin with. Because we've been taught that if it's a positive emotion, it must be of God. But if it's a negative emotion, it can't be. It's spiritual failure. You're a bad Christian. And so now not only are we anxious, but we're also shameful. And it leads to these emotions being suppressed instead of being explored. I, I believe there are two ways we react to feelings. I believe we either react or we retract. There's either like a reaction, like we, we immediately react, or we retract and we all of a sudden start to suppress. Notice Martha was a reactor. Jesus showed up and she was like, I want to talk to you for a second. Sit down, big boy. We're going to have a conversation. She was like a reactor. But the Bible said Mary stayed where she was. She was a retractor. So all of us, I believe, fall in one of those two categories. Negative emotions come. Negative situations happen. And we either react in a way that we really didn't want to react, but we react or we retract. Because there's something in us, there's been something been taught in us that we can't feel like that. But here's the confession I'm coming to make to you this morning. I can't control my feelings. I've tried. But like sometimes they just come on me. You know what I mean? Like they just sneak up like I'm walking. I'm like, oh, where'd you come from? Like, like all of a sudden they were just there. Give you an example. I don't know why, but at 38 years old, I cry a whole lot more than I used to. <laughs> Anybody with me on this? Like, like, some examples. When we had children, it made sense because I started crying at movies that had storylines around kids. Darla and I went to this Will Smith movie, uh, Collateral Beauty, 
and, and his daughter died of a disease in the movie. And at the end, there's some revelation. And Darla and I, we were ugly crying. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> like ugly crying. She can't look ugly, but I was terrible looking. Just crying all the place. But that made sense to me because I have little children. Now, I'm crying at stuff I shouldn't be crying at. <laughs> have y'all seen Top Gun Maverick? Y'all seen that movie? <laughs> at the end of that movie, I was crying. Tom Cruise is in a fighter jet, and I'm like, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. This Lady Gaga song is at the end of it, you know, and it's like, hold my hand. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Like, I'm trying to learn. I'm calling Ben, like, can you give me flight lessons? Like, I want to be Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just emotional. I don't I, I can't explain it. I just get emotional. I also feel more tired than normal. Anybody else, like, I'm just, if, if I sit down, I'll fall asleep. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm 72 years old in a 38-year-old body. Like, the other night, we came home. It was, you know, it was 8.30. My, my, my wife and, and her father in the talking, and me and my mother-in-law, Casey Ray, are in the living room. We got some TV show on, and I'm sitting straight up in a chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just old Troy. I'm just tired. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. I just, it's just, it's feelings. Like, if you came to me and said, well, you know, you need to stop feeling that way. I know. <laughs> but I don't know how. You know? I watched this whole, there was this, like, inspirational YouTube video. It had Steve Harvey and a couple preachers. And, I, and it was all about, it said something about, like, control your feelings. And I was like, ooh, I'm about to get encouraged, you know? And so I hit play. I was on the, on the, on the bike. I hit it. And the whole video was like, you need to quit being a, you, know, you, need to be, you need to be a man and just, you know, handle your feelings. And I'm like, I don't know how to. I'm like crying at the gym, you know, just mad. I don't know how. Anybody? Anybody with me? I just want to make sure I'm talking. Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, I'm kicking you out of church right now. <laughs> like we don't, because if you know how to control your feelings, let me know. It's just sometimes they sneak up on me. Like, there's just moments. Darla and I had a week, uh, it was two weeks ago, I think, and we went about four or five days without seeing each other. Like, she was busy, and I was busy, and we were passing, and, and all of a sudden, she grabbed me in the, in the hallway of our house, and she gave me a hug. She said, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And the reason I said that is because I didn't really know what to tell her. Because I, I wasn't really sure what I was feeling. You know what I mean? There was a lot going on. And I, don't, I can't always dissect it and define it. And I, I, the, I think the biggest problem with our culture today is you have to know why you feel and what you feel, and I don't know that you can. Because you're just feeling it. Because stuff happens. Because the entire world is in your hand. And you can know of a disaster that happened 4,000 miles away that you would never know about it, and you grieve. But you can't do anything about that. And so you have these feelings. You hear stories, and all of a sudden they bring on feelings, and you don't know. Listen to me. Jesus had feelings, and so do you. But Jesus was never allowing his feelings to lead him. He always led his feelings. And that's what's important. That's what we need to talk about, is what can we do? What does Jesus teach us when it comes to being able to operate and lead those feelings. The way we respond to our emotions, the way that we respond to our feelings, including how we feel about how we feel, is vital. We want to deal with them in a wise way that leads to both growth in our relationship with God and growth in our relationship with others. So I said all of that and here's my plan to try to give you something to work with. So if you're a note taker, this is the time you want to start taking notes. I'm going to give you something so practical that I'm hoping this will be uh, transformational for your life when you start to feel. Because I can guarantee some of you are feeling something right now. You know what I mean? Um, and you're going to feel something when you leave. And you're going to feel something tonight. You need to know what to do with those feelings. And so here's what Jesus does. Jesus gives us three ways that I could see. There's probably more. But three ways to filter our feelings. How to filter them. If you're familiar with a filter, whether you're familiar with a car filter or an air filter in your house, it's a concept where something that's very dirty and has a lot of ingredients it shouldn't have comes through it. And as it comes through it and out of it, it's now pure. 
So watch this. I'm not telling you not to feel, but how do you filter the feelings you're having so that when they get through this filter, they are pure instead of being all kinds of nasty and, uh, uh, you know, never mind, just impacted by the world and the culture. You ready? You ready to take notes? First filter is this. You need to filter it through the truth. First thing you need to do is you need to filter your feelings through the truth. Let me explain. John chapter 11, watch this. Martha's talking to Jesus, and Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. She's having feelings. She's upset. She's confronting Jesus about her feelings, and Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. She answers, this is going to be important towards the end, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. I'm going to come back to that. But what I want to address right now is the truth that Jesus is telling. The truth is, your brother will rise again. Whenever we're feeling emotions, whenever we're having feelings, the first thing you and I need to do, a feeling hits you. Boom, I feel hopeless. Boom, I feel grief. Boom, I feel jealous. Boom, I feel... Can you filter it through truth? When our feelings are especially strong, they can make us believe things that aren't based on fact. You know what I mean? Like, like when all of a sudden you feel really upset, like really upset, you will start to build those emotions on things that aren't exactly true. You will start to remember it different than it actually happened because we get caught up in our emotions and our thinking, watch this, our thinking gets distorted and we struggle staying grounded in the truth of the situation. Oh, you know what? I feel like everybody hates me. Why? Because nobody invited me to the party. You don't even live in the same state. You know what I mean? Like we will get emotional about something. And it's almost like we start filling in holes in reality. And we come up with this truth that's not even true. And so you're sad. But you're sad for something that may not be accurate. You're upset but you're upset about something that may not be accurate. You're depressed, you're anxious, and you're depressed and anxious on something that may not be accurate. When, when Darla was giving birth to our, I believe it was our second child, Casey Ray, I'm in the room, and all that whole thing scares me, because I don't know, I can't do what y'all do, I don't understand the whole thing, so I read people. So if I'm, if I'm with you at your job, and you look like it's under control, I'm good. You start freaking out, I'm running past you. You know what I mean, like I'm gone. And so we're in, we're in the hospital, and, and we go, we're watching Paul Blart Mall Cop, all right? That, that's how chilling we are. And all of a sudden, people start rushing in, and they're flipping stuff and turning stuff and moving stuff, and nurses are running in. My mother-in-law's in there, and I'm like, I'm up against the wall, and I'm like freaking out because she's my world. So I'm like, if something happens to her, I'm killing everybody in here. You know, I'm going crazy. And so they're all coming near her, and, and they're between me and the door, and everything in me wants to leave. But I can't leave because everything's going crazy. And all of a sudden, my mother-in-law, she grabbed me by both shoulders. She said, do you want to go? I said, yes. And she moved the nurse out of the way, and she pushed me through the line. And I was like, and I ran out the door into the waiting room, and I walked in the waiting room in a corner and just started praying in the corner. I didn't know what else to do. Because in that moment, like, you know what I mean? There was so much going on, and, and, and I was feeling, I was so nervous. I thought something bad was happening. But it wasn't. The truth was she was just getting ready to birth the baby. But I was filling in all of these facts, you know what I mean, of what I thought was happening. So my feelings were based on what I assumed instead of based on actual truth. Martha said to Jesus, I know he will rise again in the last day. She assumed Jesus was talking about the last day. She was on assuming truth instead of actual truth. So here's what my wife taught me. She said, she, I got this whole idea from her. She said, when, when you're having a feeling, she said, you should treat it like a courtroom. And she said, you should put your feeling on the, the, the chair. I don't know what it's called, but the, the chair where they're going to, uh, you know, investigate you or whatever. Sorry, I don't have great, uh, what is it? It's the stand. All right, there we go. I'll stand with arms on and on. Okay. So you put them on the stand. And she said, what you got to do is you got to come with all of the evidence for the feeling that you're having. Also, you got to have all the evidence 
against the feeling that you're having. See what I mean? So if I'm feeling one way, i got to gather all of the evidence that supports the feeling I'm having. But I also got to look for evidence that supports or goes against the feeling that I'm having. And then I can know if it's true or not. Does that make sense? There has to be this moment where I'm being real with myself. I feel this way, and I feel this way because of these things. But if I'm honest with myself, these aren't true. And so we're able to kind of defend that feeling or go against that feeling. Listen, when you're reading John chapter 11, it talks about these hired mourners. And this is what this was. You could actually, this still happens in cultures today. You could actually pay people to show up to the funeral and pretend that they knew the individual and they would cry in response. You were paying people to support your feelings, right? You would say, hey, we're having a funeral. My dad died. There's, you know, nobody like my dad. We don't have anybody here. I want to pay y'all to come and cry. And the Bible says, the study says they would come and wail. They would, oh, oh, my goodness. You were paying for it. You were paying people to support your feelings. Here's what I'm telling you. We all have people in our life that we know will support our feelings, even when they're wrong. And so we go to them to support what we're feeling. Instead of investigating it and figuring out if it's truth, we go to them so that they will support our feelings. You know who yours is right now. And every time you have a feeling, even though you know it's not right, you go to them to support it. Mine, the person who supports my feelings the best, is Darla Ray Powell. She loves me so much that when I'm mad about something, it makes her mad. But I learned pretty quickly that while my mad is like a two, her mad will be like a 203. And so I'd be thinking, like, let's send them a bad text. She's like, let's, let's, you know, let's split their tires. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just a huge jump. And so I had to learn that. I was like, I'm not trying to go to jail. I'm just trying to, you know, unfriend them on Facebook. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're trying to egg their house. I'm just trying to, you know, not go to their birthday party. Like, chill out a little bit. She would get so passionate. And so here's what I learned. I learned that before I bring her my feelings, I better make sure that they're true. You know what I mean? I, I better filter them through some truth because she's going to support it. And so I better make sure it's right before I bring it to somebody who's going to support it. Listen to me, please. I know you're having feelings. It's okay to feel, but filter them through truth. Not just the truth of the word, but actual truth of circumstance. Make sure that that feeling is justified, especially, please listen to me, especially before you start taking it to your hired supporters. Because once you take that feeling to someone who loves you and wants to support you, it's going to get to rolling to a point that you're not going to be able to bring it back. So it's okay to feel, but you need to filter it through truth. The world wants us to filter it through assumed truth. Jesus says filter it through the actual truth of God. Amen? Number two is the promises of God. So the first thing you're filtering it through is truth. But what happens when the truth justifies your feelings? Because sometimes what you're feeling is right. Sometimes the truth is that did happen. You were done wrong. There was something that went up. And now that feeling that you have is justified. Well, what do I do with it now? Do I just run out with it and let it, you know, all over the world? What do I do with it? Now I have to filter it through the promise of God. Watch this. John chapter 11. Jesus then goes on to say to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus takes her feeling and connects it to one of his promises. His promise is that he is the resurrection and the life. I did a series, uh, I don't know, maybe even a year ago, definitely months ago, on the promises of God. If you weren't here, then you should go back and listen to it. We broke down the promises of God. But in the first message, I told you that in the Bible were over 7, 
thousand promises that God made, over 7,000 promises that are available to us. It's whether or not we go in and, and claim them. But I also said this, every one of those promises are built on the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that was one of his promises, if he doesn't resurrect, none of the promises matter. Make sense? But because he resurrected, now all of a sudden the other promises that he made us are legitimate. So when Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life, what he's telling her is he's making her a promise. He's reminding her of his previous promise. In other words, I resurrected myself, I can resurrect him, right? It's a promise. And here's what you need to understand. For every feeling that you have in life, God has given you a promise. For every feeling that you have in life, God has given you a promise. I got just a couple of them for you, right? So here we go. We're going to jump into a couple of them. Number one, every time you feel guilt, when you feel guilt, Romans 8 one says this, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the promise for your feeling. I feel guilt, but there's no condemnation for you, for you're in Christ Jesus. Well, what if I feel loneliness? Well, according to Deuteronomy 31.6-8, the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, well, what if I'm feeling hopelessness, right? Like, what if what, there's a lot going on, I'm feeling hopelessness? Well, in Lamentations 3.21, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. I have hope in Christ. Well, what about failure? I, I feel like a failure. Well, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What about fear? Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Well, what if I feel overwhelmed? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.13, he will not let you, I love this, be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, that's just six of them, y'all, but I'm telling you, if you'll study the Bible, every feeling that you have, God's given you a promise. For joy comes in the morning. There's a promise for every feeling. <laughs> this past week, Darla was going to go have lunch with Casey Ray, my youngest. She's seven. And Darla had told her about it the night before. And so she, she gets to the school. But, but because of checking in and all that, she, it's, she's running a little late. She's not late, but according to Casey Ray, she thinks she's late. So Casey Ray feels like her mom's not coming. And so Darla said when she sat down at the table and Casey Ray looked up at her, she could see that she was about to cry. She was having this feeling because she was starting to assess everything and she thought, she felt like maybe her mom wasn't going to make it. And so Darla sits down and Casey Ray says, you know, I didn't think you were going to make it. And Darla says, sweetheart, I'm your mom. I said I'm going to come. I'll be here. So you had a feeling and you had a promise. When we have feelings that we don't like, when those negative emotions, we got to filter them through the promises of God. I feel this way. It's okay to feel it. But what does the word say? What promises has God made you? Our feelings are fickle, so they waver. God's promises are final, so they do not waver. So the first thing you do is you filter it through truth. Well, I did filter it through truth, Troy, and I found out that my, my feeling is legitimate. All right, then let's filter it promises of God. What does the Bible say about your feeling? Well, I did, and I found a verse, but watch, Troy, here's the deal. I still feel that way. I, I saw the promise God gave me, but, but I still feel the way. The feeling didn't change. Now what do I do? You filter it through hope. That's the last thing truth, the promises of God, and the hope. What's the hope? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 11, let's jump back for a second. Watch this, verses 33, 35. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. He was troubled. Jesus asked, where have you laid him? Where's he at? Where'd you put him? Side note, your feelings, where'd you put them? Where, where'd you put him? 
Come and see, Lord. They replied. And then the Bible says that there was this moment. And, and there's not a whole lot of detail. So we don't know if Jesus was standing or if he was down or whatever the situation was. But the Bible says that Jesus wept. Jesus cried. I'm studying that over and over this week because, first of all, it's the easiest verse for you to ever memorize. But how does it help you? And here was my first thought. When Jesus wept, he validated our tears. Right? Like, like Martha and Mary are visibly upset. And so when Jesus cries, there's this validation of her tears. Here's what I feel like Jesus is saying. It's okay not to be okay. Right? It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to feel that way. Jesus validated it. I even feel like he said this. It's okay to be at a place where you feel like you can't handle it. Where you feel like you're not really sure what you're going to do. This was a few years ago, but I was experiencing a certain pain that would not go away. It was lingering. And it, and it had me for a long time, for months. And I remember at one point I was laying in the bed and Darla was there with me. It was TV and I was just kind of whatever medication I was on and just kind of laying there. And I was so emotionally overwhelmed by it because I thought it was never going to end. I remember just looking at her with like tears in my eyes going, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. And for every man in the room, you know how hard it is to admit to the one that you're supposed to protect and serve and be strong for that you don't really know what to do. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but in that moment, I felt validated. And in that moment, I felt like it was okay for me to feel. I felt like it was okay for me to not be okay. I felt like it was okay for me to realize that, hey, I can't handle this. Somebody in this room, you've been taught that you have to figure out a way to handle that feeling. What if you can't? What if you don't know how to handle it? Are you a failure? Or is there something in this verse that God put specifically for you? So here was how I went back against my thought. I said, okay, Jesus validated their feelings. But then I had this thought. Is it possible that when Jesus cried, Martha and Mary felt more hopeless? Let me help you with my thinking. If you're with Jesus, and every time Jesus has faced a problem, he's fixed the problem. Right? They were like, we don't have any food. And he was like, don't worry, food. <laughs> Or if like somebody was dead, and he's like, don't worry, healed. If every, there was never a moment where Jesus cried in front of them before. Every scenario they faced that was a problem, Jesus fixed it. Until now. And Mary and Martha are looking at their problem, which is, which is Lazarus is dead. And Jesus says, where is he? And they're like, oh, it's about to happen. He's right here. Come here, Jesus, come here. He's right here. And Jesus stops and starts to cry. I understand that the Bible doesn't say this, but be with me for a moment. I think if I'm there in that room or near that grave or wherever they were, I think in that moment I go, uh-oh. He's not, he's not healing him. He's hurting. He's crying. That makes me think he's not going to raise him from the dead. Because why would he be crying if he knew he was going to raise him from the dead? Why is Jesus crying unless the reason that he's crying is because he can't do anything about it? And so he weeps. And I just think in that moment, like, is it possible that Mary and Martha felt more hopeless than they did before Jesus even got there. Because before Jesus gets there, there's still some hope, right? Like, oh, when he gets here, he's going to do it. But now he's here and he's crying. And now I think he can't. I'm just wondering if there's anybody in here 
who is literally at a point of hopelessness with your feelings because you're starting to feel like God can't do anything about it. You've asked, you've prayed, you've done it, and for whatever reason, you just feel like God hasn't, hasn't chosen to fix it, hasn't chosen to heal you. And now you're at a point where it's like, well, now I'm starting to think even God can't, can't do it. So I did some more studying, theological Hebrew, Greek studying into John chapter 11, because I wanted to know, why would Jesus cry? What was the point of it? Theologians say Jesus cried because he was so close to Lazarus. Other theologians say he cried because he was more uh, heartbroken by Mary and Martha's feelings, which is what I believe more of, that he was so taken by how sad they felt that it influenced him. But then I read something this week that I had never really read before. And it went on to say that there was an important contrast between the words used for Mary and Martha's weeping and the words used for Jesus's weeping. We took the words that they originally were and we translated them into the words weeping and wept. And when you do the original translation, the word weeping that's being used for Martha and Mary means to uh, wail out loud, oh, oh. It's, it's, it's weeping out of control. I no longer can control my emotions. I'm no longer in this room able to keep a face on. I'm, ah! I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm at a point where I literally don't think I can get out of control. But yet the translation of the word for Jesus came into wept. And when you look at the original context in the translation, it meant that it was under control. So Martha's weeping ah, is out of control. Jesus, he's moved, but it's under control. I think Jesus cried. You ready? I think he cried to show them that he could handle feelings. That Jesus, unlike them, could handle emotions. That the very things that caused them to go, ah, Jesus could handle. Remember when he went into the temptation, went into the garden and was tempted, and all these feelings are coming at him, but Jesus kept handling them. Because Jesus wanted you to know, and he wanted me to know, that when we're at a place where our feelings are beyond our control, when we no longer know what to do, when we're at a point of it's not okay to be okay, uh, at a point where I don't know how to handle it anymore, when we're at a point of just wanting to throw it all out, the filter is this. He can handle it. I was praying this morning. I kept reading that line. Where'd you lay him? Where'd you lay him? Where'd you lay him? And Jesus is asking, where have you put your feelings? Show me. Take me to them. And I am going to take care of them. Do me a favor. Everybody stand in this place for a second. Here's what I think the ultimate word for us today is. You have to lead your families. You have to lead your spouses. You have to lead your jobs. You have to lead at your schools. You have to lead at your workplace. And sometimes you can handle your feelings, but sometimes you can't. And for every person that you've got a feeling right now that is at that point of out of control, you have to give it to the one who can handle it. There has to be this moment of, God, I can't do this. I need you. Worship team, will you come up for a second? I want to share this last story, but I want you guys to be ready to lead us into worship. Miss Erica, John, I'm going to let you guys come up down here for prayer. I'm praying this morning because I really, I really wanted y'all to grasp this. Because here's what I understand is that you may actually walk into this room with those feelings, but yet refuse to face them. You know what I mean? Like, again, we, su we suppress them. Instead of really opening up and allowing the Lord to do something with them.
be completely open about them. To be able to get to a place where you say, God, I don't know what I can do, but I know you can. And I'm praying this morning, I'm just like, Lord, I need this, I need this picture that I can give them that goes beyond anything that I've set up to this point. That if they leave out of here with this picture, maybe they'll never forget it when they find themselves in a place where their feelings are something they can no longer handle. I mean, clear as day, this, this moment dropped into my mind. Y'all know a couple weeks ago, my family and I got the privilege to go to the beach to see my father for um, our fall break. And I always love it because it's the trip we take our girls with us, and so we, we really try to spend as much time with them, and they're at a point now where they enjoy being in the water and being on the beach. And this one particular time, me and Casey Ray, we go by ourselves out in the water. Darla and, and Vader are back on the beach. And the hurricane had come through, and so the, the water was a little rough. And we start off in the ocean, and when we start off, Casey Ray's at a place where she can still touch. Casey Ray's about this tall or so, and we're walking, Kristen, and, and she can touch, and I can touch, so she's very confident, you know? It's just like, oh, hey, you know, ocean ain't got nothing on me. And we get to a sandbar, and then all of a sudden, we go past the sandbar, and now she can't touch. And, and the waves are getting a little bit rougher and a little bit crazier, and I'm watching her because she can swim. She's a really good swimmer, but I'm watching her because I'm trying to see at what point on her face she no longer feels comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to watch and know, like, okay, she's comfortable. Because she's, y'all know what I mean. You can see it in a face. If you got kids, it's like, oh, they're comfortable. Oh, they're not comfortable anymore. You know what I mean? But I also didn't want to take away her opportunity if she could control it. She's a big girl. So if she's in a place where she can swim, I didn't want to take that away from her. But I needed her to know, church, that if she gets to a place where she can't handle it, daddy's there. So I just put my arm in front of her like this. I didn't grab her. I just wanted her to see my arm. I just wanted her to understand, baby, I'm in control. I can still stand where you can't stand. So the moment you get to the place where you don't think you can handle where you are, if you will just reach out and grab onto my arm, I promise you, I'll pull you in and you won't have to control it anymore. It happened. We finally got to that moment. The waves got a little bit too tall. And Casey Ray, who's about three foot one and thinks she's 10 foot three, all of a sudden it hit her face. She grabbed onto my arm. And when she grabbed onto my arm, I just swung my arm around and I just held it like this right here. And she was, <gasps> and I just walked to the ocean. Because for me, it was no big deal. For her, it was everything. But for me, it was no big deal. Here's what you need to understand. Your father has his arm like this right here, right now. And he's had it like this the entire time. But he doesn't take it from you because as long as you can handle it, he wants you to grow. But the second you can't handle it anymore, grab on. Grab on. And let him just swing you around and pull you close. Here's the promise I can make you. The thing that you can't control, he's completely in control. Don't be worried because he's weeping. He's weeping, but he's in control. Your feeling is validated, but don't let it lead you. Don't let it overtake you. Don't let it overwhelm you. And certainly don't let it push you from him. Just understand in your heart that the second you feel like you can't handle it anymore, he's sitting right there ready to take it. Amen? Father, I want to pray. I love your word. Oh, but I love your presence. 
and your spirit. I love the fact that you use our children to show us our relationship with you. And I believe in my heart, I believed when I was praying this message that there was somebody in this room that was at a point where they were just about done trying to handle their feelings. They were so overwhelmed and worried, and I believe there was somebody in there who actually thought, because you haven't done anything about it yet, that you didn't even care about it. But if there was ever a word from your Holy Spirit, from heaven to my heart, to their ears, to their heart, right now is that your arm is in front of them and all they've got to do is reach out. All they've got to do is look to you, give you what they're dealing with, and Father, you will be in control. Father, I'm going to pray for a second that your Holy Spirit would just move in this place. Speak to every person. Every person that needs to hear it. And Father, in a minute, I'm going to give them an opportunity to come down for prayer. I'm going to give them an opportunity to worship you and to give that up to you. And I pray that that would be the atmosphere in this place. Holy Spirit, right now, listen to me, church. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to get Darla to start singing. John and Erica, they're down here front praying. There's a time for you to worship. If you're in this place and that's you, please do not leave here today with those feelings. Don't, don't leave here today with those feelings without the help of God. Holy Spirit, Father, we pray right now that you would do what only you can do. I can preach your word, but I cannot change lives. Only you do that. So for your child that's in the ocean right now and it's starting to get above their head, let them know right now like only you can do that you're right there. All they got to do is grab on. <laughs>